This is Andrew Hall, host of Dead Hand Radio. My guest for this sci-fi edition of Dead Hand Radio is Randy from Here on Mars. Randy is a musician and a gamer who is best known for his apocalyptic brand of electronic rock music. In this episode, Randy and I talk about his beginnings as a musician, his influences, and inspirations, and how science fiction has always been a part of his growth and evolution as a musician. We also talk about Randy's other interest, Warhammer 40,000. He breaks down the gameplay, how the entire franchise has transformed throughout the years, and the important role it has played in his life. We talk about other topics as well, including some of our favorite movies and how the sci-fi and horror genres are so easily blended for a completely wild ride in movies like Alien and Event Horizon. Then Randy shares an experience he had during a mission trip he was on in Africa that left his blood cold and has stuck with him ever since. So strap in, dear listener, and prepare for a ride on the sci-fi rocket train. This is Randy from here on Mars, and you're listening to Dead Hand Radio. So welcome to Dead Hand Radio. Glad you could make it. I appreciate you having me, and um, just been been looking forward to it ever since you suggested it, man. And I'm I'm just happy to be here. Love the stuff you talk about. It really kind of hits home with me in a in a way. It's hard to explain other than that I was born in 1980 and remember a lot of the different types of stuff you talk about. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm glad you you, you said that. And I, well, I appreciate you saying that, and I'm glad that it's um, resonating with you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I don't know, man. Like when I when I listen to it, it you know, like certain podcasts I listen to, especially um, your, uh, your, I guess your co-conspirators on your, on the network there, like Dave and, oh, Andy and, and, uh, you know, all those guys on there. When I, whenever I listen to any of your podcasts, it's like, it, it really is like being in there and you really want to contribute to the conversation. So every chance I get to come on one of your sh- podcasts, it's, it's awesome. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. And just for anybody who's listening, who's curious about what you're talking about, that's the Slightly Irregular Podcast Network, also known as the SIP Network. Mm-hmm. And it's a group of podcasters, myself included, who just decided one day we were going to work together to help each other, encourage each other, spread the word, promote one another, and just all of us try to get try to grow as a, as podcasters and as people and it's been an awesome ride we i i enjoy it I, I totally appreciate everything those guys do yeah all very positive um people um always you know always an encouraging word never um i don't know it's just refreshing um in in a lot of the circles i i'm in online there's lots of you know there's always there's always stuff that you don't like about you know kind of the negative side of interacting online and uh 
I think, I think, you know, between, you know, you, Dave, Evan, um, Ben, I mean, uh, Pat, um, terrible terror, uh, you know, all those, all those guys, I mean, everybody's super positive. There's, there's never, never a negative word said, and it kind of inspires me to not be such a jerk sometimes. <laughs> oh, that's cool, man. That's a cool thing to say. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, I, I think a few of those guys listen to this and uh, I'll make sure that each and every one of them hears what you had to say about that. Yeah, of course, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so if you don't mind, uh, we've known each other on Twitter for, uh, I mean, at least a year, right? Maybe even longer than that. I, I don't know exactly when we first connected, but yeah. Yeah, about about that long, and it would have been through uh, would have been through Evan. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, he he yeah. turned me on to your your music, and I was like, wait, I'm already connected with this dude. Yeah, I should check it out. So, um, and I dig your music, man. If if I could say anything about you in a positive light, uh, you know, without really knowing you as a person, sure, I would say that your music is inspiring and it's unique and it's it's really cool to listen to and to know somebody who makes that kind of music i'm happy to know you man uh geez dude that's that's high praise i mean i feel the same way you know when i look at your photographs dude i'm just like wow and you know your design and you know like even your even your design for the the sci-fi month or is it the month sci-fi month um sci-fi november yeah the just the design um the the logo i it's not even like a logo it's like the i guess like the banner is what is what it would what i would call it i i just saw that and i was like man that's cool right on and the photos and and all of that man like all the um all the the places of like old remains and skeletons of buildings and stuff I've seen you put up are super cool, man. And, and I, you know, I think it's, uh, in general, um, that other circle, it's like a big Venn diagram basically, but like that other circle that's specifically focused on the post-apocalyptic stuff, so much talent and cool, you know, just cool people, you know, talented photographers, um, and, uh, you know, authors and, and all that stuff. It's, it's, it really is, it's, it's inspiring for sure. Oh, or yeah, you, uh, you're talking about the post-apocalyptic community on Twitter that I'm, that I'm connected with, right. Or that we're both connected with. Yeah. Basically. Hey, you're contributing to that post-apocalyptic Friday too. Once in a while, aren't you? I, I try to man, like, like, um, you know, I the apocalypse has played such a a huge part in my life um, that you know, like it, it definitely comes through in a lot of a lot of like music I do. I've got an album that's you know dedicated to it, pretty much. I mean, you know, and, and kind of like a isn't it called techno apocalyptic or something like that? Apocalypse electro rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. I knew it had apocalyptic in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I always just called the style of music I make electro rock because I couldn't think of anything um, better to describe it. And, um, you know, just it's not even like a newer one. It's I guess it I guess it came out last year. So I guess that's new ish. You know, it's coming up on two years old, but um, definitely definitely feeling apocalyptic not you know don't want to get into any of the reasons why but um feeling you know feeling apocalyptic uh but it's always been it's always been a theme in my life stuff that's been in the back of my mind ever since i was a little kid really weird you know well i definitely want to get into that but uh before we move on one one suggestion that i have for you is when we do the post-apocalyptic Friday, that is an open hashtag for anybody who wants to contribute. And all we ask is that you contribute something, whether it's photo, a, a little story. Um, what you could do is submit a, one of your songs, mm-hmm. you know, and just write a little intro, how that song is related to the theme for that week. Sure. Yeah. I think I did. I think I did it one time or it might've been the wasteland Wednesday. I think that was when was, is that, that, is that the other one? Wasteland Wednesday? Yes. Okay. Yes. We, we do wasteland Wednesday as well. Yeah. It, it, it might've been that one, but I will totally be li- uh, watching for it and, and seeing, you know, once, once I know what the theme is, you know, um, finding one of the, finding one of the one of the songs and kind of introducing it for sure man cool yeah so let's get into that um you know a little bit more about your backstory and how the theme of the post-apocalyptic world uh as as a result of the cold war has had an impact in your life Mm -hmm. um man you know just just in uh I'm sure it it was all as a result of the Cold War at the time. Um, But, uh, you know, at an early age, it's really weird. I don't I don't remember exactly how, but at an early age, um, I was introduced to like the whole idea of like um, the apocalypse. I think I saw it in some movie, some kids kids movie not not really kids movie it was probably like pg-13 in the 80s or so but i was telling evan about this it was some movie where they were traveling in time and they jumped to this point in the future and everything was kind of like you know in ruins and um there was some crazy looking dude like you know all decked out like mad max and um I'll never forget like my friend we were watching I was probably nine or ten and I was staying the night at my friend's house and after that scene was over you know it was like just a flash in the movie the way I remember it and after the scene was over I was like what was that and my friend's dad was like oh that that was after the apocalypse and I was like the the what a what you know I'd never heard the word before and that just kind of started me, you know, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have any, anything like that. So 
um, it kind of just started me down this trail of like always wondering about it and um, asking asking adults in my life about it. They probably thought I was insane because what, you know, nine or 10 year old kid has an obsession with the apocalypse. And um, when I heard when I first heard about like biblical prophecies and stuff, then it took a whole, it just, it took a whole new life. That was just a backdrop for my, my whole growing up. Um, but I would say what, what probably provided the strongest visuals were, um, Terminator and Terminator two, um, because Terminator two came out, what was that? Like 90, 91 or something like that when I was 10 or 11. And I couldn't see it right away because my parents were still like, no, you're not seeing an R-rated movie. But it wasn't that long before I saw it. And and I just remember just watching the scenes from those movies over and over and over when it would like flash to the future and show like the war or when the um, you know, when Sarah Connor has that vision in Terminator 2 and you see the friggin mushroom cloud go up and the flash and oh man it just it just stuck with me man and and uh i i'm sure that those movies were a result of all of the tension that was you know going on during those times i've never actually looked into that but i i imagine they were yeah i imagine you probably know one way or the other too well, no, to be honest with you, I have not um, I, I have not studied specific movies, but as a whole, the uh, the entire genre of science fiction, actually, even more than that, the entire creative world was affected by the, the events of the Cold War for multiple generations, just because there was so such a, a fear an underlying fear that mm. the world is going to end yeah in in a nuclear holocaust at some point yeah so that that had a a major effect on the psyche of people from all walks of life and it, it did permeate throughout creative the creative arts uh you see it in movies like you said you see it in books uh mm. i had a conversation with um have you ever seen the movie the mortal engines no but that's a cool sounding name <laughs> oh yeah it is a cool sounding name and i haven't seen the movie either but i had the author for that book on the podcast um sunday and i was talking with him about exactly what you and i are talking about mm -hmm. and he said that yeah before the 1940s within pop culture and within even science fiction now science fiction had a little bit of the um the hint of apocalyptic worlds you know you you didn't see as much of it until the the late 40s the the end of world war ii and the start of the conflict between soviet union and the west mm -hmm. So once, once that started to happen, it started to take off and, and nuclear pr proliferation became really out of control where both sides were building up their arsenals mm -hmm. to an unbelievable number of nuclear weapons. 
that's when it really started to like you started seeing uh the last man um which was also made into a couple of different movies uh books like that and then um you know throughout the entire scope of the cold war you just see so many works of fiction that reflect that post-apocalyptic uh world yeah you know i i do remember um i mean you know the the first 10 years of my life were basically the last part of it but i mean i think we were even talking about you know on twitter um we were even talking about like the nineties and all the conflicts with the breakaway republics, you know, from the USSR. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, my, my parents, my mom would talk about, you know, what it was like in the, I guess, I guess technically it goes back to the, I mean, it's after World War II, right? When we kind of, you know, after all of that, off all the World War II stuff was said and done, there was kind of like a backing away from the Soviet Union and and um, the lines were drawn, it seems like. And my mom would, you know, tell me about just different, you know, drills they had to do in school and like you know, she said, yeah, it was, it was freaky, you know, having to do like, you know, air raid, like drills and, and just weird stuff like that. Um, uh, I don't remember anything like that in the eighties, but I do remember, I do remember like the idea of like the USSR being like this, like evil, like specter, you know, you know what I mean? Like kind of just this, dark depressing place how it was how it was portrayed and stuff and i mean to be honest with you a lot of their architecture kind of does bear that out when i see it but um i definitely remember that vibe in the 80s um yeah crazy stuff totally totally you're you're right on point with everything you just said good Um, (laughs) those, those uh yeah the uh First of all, yeah, as soon as World War II ended, the Russians or the Soviet Union and the uh, United States and Great Britain were at odds with each other. They didn't trust each other. Yeah. Uh, Stalin knew that the U.S. had the nuclear bomb at that time, and yeah. he wanted it desperately. Uh, and he was, um, you know, he's really... Uh, pissed off with the u.s for not sharing the technology so he uh he stole it there were there were spies in the manhattan project that handed over majority of the plans to get the soviet union uh on track to develop their own nuclear weapon crazy i'll never forget um i saw a picture and this may not have even been that long ago i think this was kind of when every I think this was maybe even back in what was it 2014 when um, the Crimea thing happened. Yes. Um, I think you're, I think that's right. Yeah. 2018 or 2014. Something like that. It's, it's hard to keep it all together anymore. um, The more the years go on, but like, but like I'll never forget the most Russian thing I've ever seen was just them doing one of their parades with this massive missile on a truck, you know, 
And on the missile in their language, it's it literally said after me silence. And I was like, that is the that is the most sinister Russian looking like type of display I think I've ever seen. Like just reminded me of Ivan Drago, you know, just in its uh just in its simple like brutality and uh definitely took me back to those those feelings I had when I would hear about them, you know, in social studies in grade school and stuff. <laughs> yeah, they they did have some scary technology and the US had their their share of frightening terrifying technology as well. Uh they just didn't parade it around the streets like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's and and it, it's a psychological operation. They they call it psyops. And basically it's saying, you know, it's like pointing your gun at, at somebody. You you know, you pull out your gun and you point it at somebody, they're gonna be on guard. You know, they're gonna instantly be either scared for their life and pleading for mercy, or they're gonna go uh arm up and get ready for a fight yeah um it just just in general like that whole like um you know it, it brings to mind another term from the from the era i'm pretty sure this term is from the era but mutually assured destruction uh is one that that comes to mind i remember hearing that as a kid and i'm like what that sounds that's so metal that sounds insane you know but but it's it's like it's crazy man to uh it's just weird to think that you know a whole what 30 40 years went by with with these missiles pointed at each other and as far as we know just a handful of times where it really came down to there being a possibility that someone was going to push the button. Wasn't there like a Cuba thing? Um, yes. Yeah. That, my, that was one thing my mom, I specifically remember my mom telling me about, she was like, no, that was freaky. <laughs> you know, like we were, we were right on the edge there, you know? Yeah. I've talked to a few people who were alive at that time and they thought it was over. They really thought that there was going to be no tomorrow. Hard it's to hard. It's kind of hard to imagine, you know, a feeling of dread and doom like that, thinking that you're not going to wake up tomorrow morning. It, it really is, man. Like, like I've spent so much of my life um, experiencing just fear and anxiety and um, it, it, I feel bad saying this but I've voiced this before and sometimes I've wondered like if I, if, if that were to happen and I knew it was coming, this sounds awful, but sometimes I've thought that there would be some, in some weird way, there would be like relief at finally knowing, <laughs> you know, that it's like, okay, here, it here it comes. But no, I'm, I'm pretty sure it, it would not be a good feeling knowing it was coming. Um, I it, and yeah the to 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 go back to what you were saying earlier to to constantly be living under the fear of that um it it really would it really would affect you overall yeah yeah and if you're a creative person you use that fear in a 
in a creative way. Now, sometimes that creative outlet is a positive outlet and other times it's a negative outlet. Yeah. So, you know, you get, you get uh, a utopia style uh, writing in science fiction, but you also get the dystopian or the post-apocalyptic version of the science fiction. So people, people deal with that kind of stress on different levels it's 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 hard it's good to stay positive man like even in the face of of everything that's happening in fact like i always i have a thing i always say i can laugh or i can cry you know or you you know what i mean and i'm i choose to laugh man i really do when things just get crazy and it's just like one thing after another i laugh like i just start laughing because i'm like (laughs) you know well, how are we going to get through this one? You know, we'll just see what happens. So, yeah. And you have to do something to sit, to sit there and wallow in sorrow and just let the circumstances around you control your emotions and in effect your actions. See, even if you're locked down in your house mm-hmm. and you can't go outside, you still have control over your emotions yeah so you do something you do things that are positive go do some push-ups do some jumping jacks you got to have some exercise to get the blood flowing Mm. and then read a book don't sit there and and watch the news man that's the last thing people should look at watch watching the news yeah don't talk to other people who are going to bring you down just don't you know, don't get into unnecessary arguments with the people that care about you and are looking out for your best interest. You know, just those are not things that are helpful to you or anyone else. So there, there are measures that you can take no matter how helpless you feel sure. that you can stay mentally fit. And if you stay mentally fit, you'll get through this. Yeah, I agree. 100%, man. I I feel like the mind has just certain things I've certain situations I've been in. I feel like the mind has a I I feel like everybody has the ability to do it. Um there's a there comes a point where your mind says, "Okay, I don't have the luxury of despair right now." You know what I mean? And and I think it comes a little more naturally for some than others, but, um, you know, I I've experienced it. I don't have the luxury for, of, of, you know, a panic attack right now. I don't have the luxury of anxiety or all this other stuff, you know, and, and, um, I, when people can believe that, even if they just believe that there's a chance that's true, it makes all the difference in the world in their circumstances, their mental health circumstances. So yeah, I, anything I, you know, and I'm always, I'm always trying to like keep an eye out, like at my workplace, um, just in my life, people I talk to, if I, if I, if I see somebody struggling, I don't ever try to like get into problem solving with them, but I just say, look, man, like, I totally get it. I'm sorry you're having to deal with this. If there's anything I can do to help you through when you're dealing with with one of these, you know, types of moments, I'm I'm happy to do it, you know. 
That's cool. Yeah, it takes, I think it kind of takes somebody who has been through that, uh, has had moments like that to be able to understand and empathize with somebody who is currently going through that. Yeah. I had a really, um, a really, uh, just a, like a slap in the face. Mm-hmm. the other day because my wife had cancer four years ago ah. and she made it through she she went through the chemotherapy the radiation and all that stuff and she made it through and she is a super strong person the strongest person i know mm-hmm. mentally physically she's just unbelievable mm-hmm. and you wonder you know why does a good person go through something like that what you know and there is no answer right but then two weeks ago or something like that two of her friends shared with her that they have cancer now and she was able to talk to them from a a perspective of experience Mm -hmm. and share with them what she was going through at that time in her life and they could totally relate to what she had gone through and where she's at now and where she's at now gave those people hope and hope is the most important thing that somebody can hang on to just find something that you can just grasp that little piece of hope Mm -hmm. and hold on to it for dear life man Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well, if you could pick a song uh-huh. to play right right here and give me permission to play it, yeah. tell me tell me what song that is, and I'll go ahead and cue it up. Uh, I would say, oh man, I would say if you did um, "Ride the Waves" is is a song that I that one just I really like that one. Right on. Yeah. Well, then uh, do you want to talk about that song and give it a little bit of an intro? So the song's called Ride the Waves, and um, it's off the Apocalypse Electro Rock um, record. And every song on that EP is kind of just rooted in, you know, the apocalypse in some form or another. And um, Ride the Waves is kind of, it's kind of about just watching if you just pick picture yourself floating in space watching things transpire on earth um kind of knowing eventually the outcome you know is uh, there you know it, the, the end is coming kind of that type of thing um it also kind of hints at some lore from like warhammer forty thousand and stuff if there's any fans of that um talks about the warp a little bit um which is kind of a whole nother if you want to get sci-fi there that's my that's my bag but um yeah it's it's a it's a mellow song it's a dark song i like the guitar parts um it's also inspired there's certain bits in it that are inspired by um, my friendship with evan and so yeah it's a Very good cool. Nice shout out to Evan. Yeah, I, I'll shout out that guy. Ride 
tried to change my ways And I tried I tried to wag my age I don't I don't understand The light But just the guiding hand It guides me Shows me my place Among the wastes
And that was Ride the Waves by Here on Mars. Nice song, dude. So you mentioned Warhammer 40,000. Is that a, a, a tabletop like yeah. role-playing game? Started as a tabletop role-playing game. The way I would describe Warhammer 40,000 is Lord of the Rings in space, um, more or less. Uh, yeah. My favorite, it, it started as a, as a tabletop game back in like 86 or 87. Um, it was more like, it was more like RPG type of thing, but it, it's, it's basically at this point you have, you have an army of guys, you know, and you fight your friend's army of guys. In fact, me and Andy from, you know, um, Black Cat Shadow um, and I, his new podcast escapes me, but me and him, basically we would get together on Sundays and we called it the church of 40 K and we would battle each other. And before all this COVID stuff happened and uh, the, the lore behind Warhammer 40,000 is absolutely just, it is some of the coolest stuff that, that I've ever read. And I haven't read a lot of stuff, but I have read a lot of Warhammer 40,000 stuff. Are you talking novels, books? Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. So, so I mean, at first, like they they just had their backstory to the game, and I'm sure it borrows heavily. I mean, I know it borrows heavily from like, um, you know, like Tolkien and and um, H.P. Lovecraft. Some of that stuff. Uh, what's the guy's name? Is it Robert Howard? I'm trying to remember the the fantasy writer. I've never. Are you talking about Heinlein? might be it might be it, it was a he was a contemporary of hp lovecraft's i think and and he wrote like fantasy you know type stuff but um the 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 background to it was originally just in you know the books that kind of fleshed out the game a little bit and at some point they started writing novels and um there there's so many books i've got like 50 of them like on my bookshelf over here like i just can't get enough of the of the universe that that's cool well let's dig into that man how much time do you have plenty yeah. well, let's let's get into warhammer forty thousand mm-hmm. and get some new people turned on to that man because that sounds like a it's so it's a it's a tabletop role-playing game yep uh i i do know that people build miniatures or they they paint miniatures or something like that, but it build them. Um, you know, they're mostly, most of the new ones are in plastic and, you know, they, when, when we were coming up, you know, um, in the, in the nineties, like when I first got turned on to it, um, if you bought a box set, like, you know, you bought, you would buy like a two player battle box is what they call it. And it, it just comes with an, you know, a small force of, um, two armies, so two players could play against each other and the, and the rule book and stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, they were, they were plastic and, and the plastic in the beginning was not super detailed. There wasn't like a variety in like a lot of like the positions that would be like one or two positions. If you know what I mean, poses for the, for the figures, for the minis as we call them. But, but you would have like different, different figures for the different character or 
you know, is it kind of like chess, a chess game where you go head to head with each other? Or how's yeah. that? How's it work? Yeah. I mean, and you can have more than one player, um, but most of the time it's two players and um, you just set up, you just set up your battlefield, like on a table, usually like for a really small game, even just like a four by four table would work, but ideally like a four by eight table. And, you know, you just place different terrain, you build your own terrain all the movement is done with like a tape measure and um, it's, yeah. I mean, you just move your squads around and you've got different types of, you know, you've got squads of grunts, you've got squads of like elite warriors, you've got characters, you've got, you know, massive like vehicles that have huge like cannons on them and just, just all kinds of stuff, man. You've got, you know, you've got different, um, uh, capabilities uh, in the different uh, races that you play as, I guess. Um, and yeah, there's psychic abilities, which would be like, you know, your wizard type stuff, ca- you know, casting spells. It would, it's psychic, it's psychic in Warhammer 40k. Um, but the cool thing about it is there's, there's that, there's playing the game. So, you know, pe- there's people who are into just getting getting the guys and playing the game. And then there are people who are more into the modeling and painting aspect. And then there are people who are into the reading, you know, and the lore aspect. And that is, it, it just, I could spend hours talking about it. And there's hours and hours of stuff just on YouTube about the lore. Um, I, I kind of like all three. Uh you know, I definitely like the lore the most. I like modeling and painting second, and I like getting together and having like just fun games where you like you basically just laugh. Like it, it, it's just funny. There's a certain humor to it. Um, but overall, the IP itself, the universe um, of Warhammer Forty Thousand, is extremely. Um, extremely grim and dark in fact it gave birth to a term grim dark you will hear people say oh that is totally grim dark and it's because for the longest time the the motto for warhammer 40k has been in the grim darkness of the 41st millennium there is only war and Mm. so yeah um the main the main race i guess you would say um is the or you know the main um faction would be the empire which is humanity and by the 41st millennium humanity has um created an empire across the galaxy uh but it's it's definitely in its waning um it's it's definitely not a strong um empire there's all kinds of things going on um there's you know different other other alien um groups that are constantly a threat to the empire um there is a impot there is a you know a, a heretic uh, race of um humans who have um basically uh how do i put it they've they've turned towards the dark powers and the dark powers are are called the chaos gods and um you know i've got a bu- i'm a chaos guy <laughs> i've got a bunch of I've got a bunch of um, 
chaos figures and stuff. And they're some of my favorite characters because like so many things, you know, when you first hear about them, they're these awful bad guys. But then when you learn more about the reason why they are the way they are, some of them, you know, it, it becomes more understandable. It turns into like a Walter White type of thing, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so breaking, breaking bad reference for anybody it, who didn't catch yeah, that. <laughs> exactly. It, it, there's so much that fleshes out the, the story that, that by now there's just been so many books written um, that are novels, audio books, um, all that different type of stuff. I mean, the, in fact, the series that I have 50 books of is the series that tells how the whole situation in the 41st millennium came to be. And I would liken it for people that I'm trying to describe that whole series of events to, I liken it to, you know, how in star Wars four, five, and six, we knew you, you eventually knew that there was this guy, Anakin Skywalker, who was good and he turned into Darth Vader, right? right. You kind of knew that happened and you knew enough to inform you to get through those movies. And then they came along afterwards and fleshed it out. Um, that's what that's what uh, the Warhammer 40,000, um, the kind of the analog to that is something called the Horus Heresy. And it's basically the, 30, the 31st millennium, stuff that happened 10,000 years prior to the quote current time um, which there's just tons of books and stuff written about and so I've only read that stuff I haven't even read the massive amount of books that are in the 41st millennium you know so it's just such a rich and detailed um, universe that just I don't know man the first time I saw the figures as a kid, I was like hooked and, you know, I did, there's no one to play that game with where I grew up. And so I didn't, you know, it didn't last. Um, but over the years, as it kept going and going and going, I would just get bored from time to time and look it up on my phone and just read about different stuff. And then, oh gosh, like 2015 or so I, I was, I got to admit, I, there was a bit of, shame but i was I, I went to my wife and i was like hey look like there's this thing so i get that man you know and <laughs> hey it's funny though because it, it's geek culture and it's it's something that is now a lot more readily accepted than it was in the 80s the 70s i don't even know if it existed in the 70s but in the in the early 80s when I first uh, got introduced to Dungeons and Dragons, man, that was like a thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I was like a closet Dungeons and Dragons. It was not cool. So I, I totally get what you're talking about, keeping it on the down low and being a little bit, uh, you know, being a little bit embarrassed to go talk to your wife about it. Well, and I'm just like, how am I going to tell her that I want to spend this much money on a bunch of little plastic men but no my wife is man it's like you said you're what you know just 
my wife's so cool, man. And she supports me in all of my like hobbies and, and my stuff. That's not hobbies like music, like, like to you, photography is not a hobby to you. I look at, I look at like what you do and I'm like, that's, this guy's serious. Like he enjoy you enjoy it. And I mean, it, I think it would be amazing if you made a living doing that. I don't know if you do or not. I don't make any money doing music, but it's not a hobby, <laughs> you know? Um, I, I feel you. Yeah. And no, photography is not a profession for me, but I, I do take it way more seriously yeah. than I do a hobby. Dude, just looking at your photos. Yeah. It's not a hobby. <laughs> Thank you you. Know? And that's it. But, but to me, this, this is my hobby, you know, because, because like music is, is, I have fun and I just love making music, man. And it's, I'm always going to do it and I can never stop. Um, uh, but this, I can just throw on a podcast or a stream or some music and I can just stare at this little plastic guy and sink a bunch of time into just making it look as good as I can. And it's, and it's nice. Or I can just escape by reading a novel about a place that's way worse than anything we've dealt with. And so, and still find hope in that, man, even throw, even that's the other cool thing about this. It is very Lovecraft inspired. When I think of HP Lovecraft, I think of just absolute hopelessness and insignificance in the face of like the cosmos. You know what I mean? That's what I think of when I think of Lovecraft and, there is some of that in this, but there is still just this um, thread. There is a there is a thread of hope through the whole thing that persists, and it's so good. <laughs> yeah. So the, there are many different facets that people can uh, get involved in if they're interested. Mm-hmm. But how how long ago did this game come out? Or it, First of all, did it start as a game or as a, a, a series of novels? So it so it started as it started. Um, oh man, and I'm I'm gonna mess my history up a little bit. It started as more of a RPG kind of like Dungeons and Dragons, like you were more like a single player type of thing. Um, with you, you had a single character type of thing. The way I understand it, it was called Rogue Trader, and there was just like a single book that was made. I want to say in like '86 or '87 by a company called I don't know if they were called Games Workshop back then or if they were called Citadel, but the the company that owns the whole IP is Games Workshop, and um, they own the company that makes the minis, and it's called Citadel Miniatures, and. They had previously made minis for like different games like Dungeons and Dragons and and stuff like that. And so they started doing their own thing. And I don't know. I think it was like maybe a couple years later, it actually turned into Warhammer 40,000 is what it turned into. And they put out the first proper like what you would call a battle box that had like squads of space marines. And I think... Oh man, if I'm not mistaken, like the first, the first or second edition of Warhammer 40,000, whatever came out with the battle box first, you had a squad of space Marines. So those are the superhuman 
um, soldiers of the empire. And then the other squad was either um, Eldar, which are basically space elves, more or less. Um, it was either Eldar or it was orcs. Um, orcs are a faction in Warhammer 40k. They're kind of the comic relief. Uh, like 1986-87, it came out as an RPG where people were just player-to-player -player type of thing with yeah. somebody who would run the game like a game master type of type of thing situation i think so i don't know a whole heck a lot about of a uh, i don't know a whole lot about the first iteration of it i just know it was called rogue trader and it kind of just it kind of got the whole thing started but it wasn't like it is now definitely not like it is now it seems like it's a whole universe now it's kind of weird too is it also an online video game there are a bunch of video games now for it. Um, I don't know when the first games came out, when they started making the first like video games for it. Um, probably the 90s, dude. Like if I had, I bet if I checked and I went and looked back, um, there's all these, there's all these like splinter games that are kind of spin off of 40K, if, if that makes sense. Like, in the 90s, they came out with just this game called Space Hulk. And a Space Hulk is just a derelict, um, like, fragment of an old ship that's floating in space. And it's colonized by this one particular race of aliens, aliens called Tyranids. And Tyranids are basically, they're a ripoff of aliens, aliens, like, like Sigourney Weaver aliens. They, they're kind of like that. And Space Hulk is like a separate game where you just play um, a group of these, they're called Space Marine Terminators. They're basically like walking tanks in these giant suits of armor. And you go to these Space Hulks and basically just fight all these Tyranids and basically purge them from the, from the spaceship. Because if you don't and they land on a planet, then they will completely take over that planet. That's just, you know, because they're like aliens. Um, and right well, yeah. it certainly sounds like this is something that you're passionate about. Uh, man. Yeah, dude. Like, but what my point was, I think they made a video game about that in the very beginning. And there have been so many video games that have come out since then. I've played one, probably the most well-known one is called Space Marine. Um, and you're basically, you're basically a, uh, um, like a captain in in the the main chapter of space marines called the ultramarines they're kind of the poster boys they're always on the, the cover of everything they're like the mario of of the space marines and or of the uh yeah warhammer 40k and you play as one of those guys fighting off an orc invasion on a planet and it's it's kind of gears of war style if you've played that game um kind of no no, I, I am not much of a gamer these days, and I have not been a gamer for quite a while. I, I still have a, like a passing interest in all these things because of the connection to science fiction. Um, I just don't have the time, and I also don't have the community around me that uh, I can go sit down face-to-face -face and play. Yeah. Um, so online games, I, I used to play World of Warcraft. Mm -hmm. But that's that's because a, another friend got me into it. And then I met a couple of other people online 
uh, but I just got tired of that game. And um, so I quit playing that and I haven't really played any other games uh, since then. I did play the original Fallout and the first couple of iterations of that. I loved the Fallout world. Yeah. I, I love the I love seeing people's our friends' screenshots of, of those games. I just think it's the coolest thing, <laughs> you know, like you know, they they kind of got their whole like place set up and they're always talking about trying to find ammo and or whatever, you know, different things. Oh yeah, it's it's a totally different game. I've never even played the the new version of it. Um gotcha. but it's a totally different game than from what I played. Gotcha. Uh, so it, it would be something like, you know, what you're explaining to me about Warhammer 40 K. I know nothing about it. It's the same way. I, I know nothing about the new fallout, um, gaming system. Um, other than it's a post-apocalyptic world, the graphics are killer. Pretty amazing. Now is uh, is Warhammer because it seems like it's a pretty massive community of people that are interested in this. Do they have conventions and things like that where people yeah. get together? Yeah, they do, man. Um, you can, I mean, you can pretty much always count on some sort of presence at uh, any kind of like sci-fi con or, um, I mean, I'm pretty sure like even Comic Con and things like that. I've never been to one of those things. That's not. You know, I, I've, it would be interesting. I've never been to a Trek con, I'm, you know, anything like that. But, um, yeah, they there is a huge community uh, for Warhammer 40K, though it's still like this thing that's kind of kind of under the radar. Like most people, I think by now a lot of people have heard of it, especially if you play games or if you or anything that's kind of adjacent to Warhammer 40k like if you're huge into I don't know like Star Wars or different things like that more than just a casual then I think you probably heard of it but there've been no movies we are the people always talk about if there was a movie who would you cast as this and this and this and the fan base is rabid you know how people are they would they would be like don't screw this up so well <laughs> Because it's happened so many times. The the yeah. Warcraft movie that came out was a bit of a disappointment. I thought it was pretty cool. But the uh, the gamers who are really purists, uh, a lot of them hated on that movie so bad. I don't even know if they're going to make another movie. Yeah. And, you know, I should I'm bad at watching movies, man. I should check it out. Like, I'm sure I'd like it. Just because I like that type of fantasy type stuff. You know what I mean? It's a good movie. The The visual effects are they look- uh, they're amazing. Um, and, you know, as far as following the storyline, I am not that much of a purist. So yeah. I don't know that they veered off the, the original storyline that drastically or not. But, uh, I mean, it was a good movie. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, what's funny to me is like kind of, kind of along that, that conversation, I like the prequels, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I I like, yeah, yeah. A lot of people do. You're talking about the Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. I I like the prequels, man. And, 
yeah, there was things about him that, of course, at the time we were like, oh, yeah, cringe, maybe here or there, but nothing's perfect. I mean, when I go back and watch the originals, I'm like, okay, come on. You know, it's like we cut them slack here. I love the prequels, man. I love seeing the story. I love seeing I'm weird. I don't mind spoilers. And I love just seeing how things are fleshed out, even if I know the outcome. And to me, the prequels were like the ultimate like experience of that, you know? Uh, I like the prequels as well. Um, some of the acting was a little bit stiff. Oh, yeah. You know, it it, it, it does have its its downfalls. 100. But it, I, I, and I think that they're going to completely cut that, those three movies out of the canon for the storyline this is something that i've heard i don't know for sure but it's a mistake man yeah why why would they they've already went back and and developed all these backstories for for these characters there's no need to cut that stuff out unless there is a dramatic change that they have not revealed going forward and i don't know even what that could be well, I mean, everybody knows. I, I don't know what they I don't know what they're hoping to do because everybody knows that Jar Jar has been uh yeah, that was the worst part of that whole <laughs> you know uh, that they could have cut that dude out of there. Oh. That guy made no sense. He wasn't even a comic relief in my opinion. It was bad. It was really bad. <laughs> so but yeah, besides that, I really did enjoy those three movies yeah. and mainly because I such a fan of star wars the entire the the whole franchise i was like i can suspend my disbelief and my criticism of of these films because i'm i'm such a fan yeah of of this entire world man this world is just so unique and interesting Mm -hmm. yeah and if i could live in that universe i would yeah 100 i would totally and i'd be a jedi man it's very wild west. I would want to be a Jedi. That is, I don't know if I would, want to you know, be able to develop the psychic abilities that the Jedi's have. But you, you would definitely want to be a Jedi because, you know, at least you know you can like handle yourself, not get afraid. I think, I think that was my, I think Obi Wan definitely, definitely my favorite um, of all the like Jedi characters. And I think it's just because you, he doesn't get rattled. You know what I mean? But I loved what they did in the prequels. I thought you and McGregor was awesome as Obi-Wan. And I thought it was like, just perfect how he played him. You know, he was a little bit younger, a little bit more like prone to getting a little irritated here or there, but you could, I could totally see that guy turning into um, Alec, Alec McGinnis, Alec Guinness, McGinnis, the, 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 the old man, Obi-Wan. I think it's Guinness. Guinness. Yeah. Alec Guinness. Guinness. Yeah. Totally could see him turning into that man. And, and, and the fact that, that they were talking about doing more Obi-Wan movies with Ewan McGregor. That I, I think they're talking about doing a series now. Heck yeah. I'm, Would, I'm, wouldn't that be cool? That would be. It would please please do that Disney because yeah. Disney owns that that whole franchise now. I've never watched The Mandalorian, but everyone says it's like the greatest like thing to come out since. It's it's a fun ride. The visual effects are beautiful. 
it's Star Wars in the 21st century. You know what I mean? It's it's it, it's the the you take when you first saw Star Wars. I don't know how old were you when you first saw it. Oh, probably like it would have been like it was when it. I I never saw like original run in theaters because I was like really young, um, or not born. Um, and oh, my point is, do you remember that? That just first, yeah, probably eight or nine. That feeling of like, man, this is something different, completely different and special, and I want to. I want to live in that universe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly how I felt when I first saw it. And that's what they captured in this series, the Mandalorian. That's cool. But with upgraded technology to, uh, to make all of the, the visual effects, all the animated characters look so much more real than a puppet. You know, th- that was great. The, the Yoda puppet, Mm-hmm. fantastic and those little uh animatronics characters that they had in the original movies yeah all that stuff was fantastic but when they do it in cgi it just comes across a lot smoother a lot more realistic looking um yeah so you know and again there are purists who love those original movies and say that that's the way uh that um, special effects should be done they should be practical effects well i agree but i disagree because i think a combination of the two is the best way to go it's just different tools in your in your possession and there's going to be times where i i'm i'm not a movie maker or a visual effects person but if it's like everything else there's going to be times where one is going to work more for for you know various reasons than the other i mean and it could be budget it could be uh, the way it you know the way it looks like on the screen or you know i i just i think it's silly to i mean as a as a person who doesn't make movies it doesn't make sense to me to be like why do they do this you know but I will say, I will say that, <clears throat> and and this was with regard to the prequels, they did say that, and when you watch it, there's so much CGI in those prequels that I feel like it looks a little bit crazy on in some of the some of the stuff on the prequels, and and I heard also that you know that may have contributed to some of the acting things being kind of weird because you got these these people are like you know, act, they're not, they're not interacting with an actual model or (laughs) anything that's right there with them. They're just in front of a green screen. Well, some of that is, some of that's true, but, and, and also some of that CGI, I mean, that was at the beginning exactly uh, of, of that technology. So it was still brand new and it wasn't perfected, but if you watch the Mandalorian, Mm -hmm. it's hard to distinguish like there's a little character played by nick nolte i did i i recognized the voice i was like man that voice sounds familiar but i didn't like pinpoint who the actor was and this this little dude is probably two or three feet tall <laughs> you know there ain't no way he's gonna get a, a puppet to look as good as that uh, animation that 3d animation looks 
Yeah. And uh, it's just, you know, the technology has come so far and the skill level of the people using the technology is at a level that is unbelievable. Yeah. And the fact that it's a TV series, uh, you know, it's either eight or 10 episodes and each episode is like 40 minutes. So it's, it's not quite 10 hours, but it's, it's a lot of fun and it's working. Do, do you have Disney plus? I, uh, well, yes, yes, I do. Um, I just, Cause that's, that's the only place you can get it. Exactly. So. And, and the funny thing is like now that I finished up school, I actually have the time to like, watch something like that so nice oh yeah so i probably will be doing that oh you're gonna have to do that and then go on somebody's podcast and talk about it man because... <laughs> yeah yeah right um so would 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 star i'm taking it star wars would be the the sci-fi one that would be kind of your main one uh as far as my my favorite uh science fiction movie or yeah. or property or whatever world yeah universe i guess or so you know i'm i'm gonna cop out i am gonna say i don't have a favorite because i have so many favorites that i can't pick one above the other yeah i love the blade runner universe which i am i love that whole the the visuals that you get from the blade runner watching that old movie like and you're just like when you think about what what year was it made was it like 80 or was it i don't know what year. i think it was 84 when it came out i mean that movie is amazing man the yeah it's what they what they made happen was cool yeah. actually i think it might have been 82 so i'm gonna look at a blade runner um 82 yeah it was 82 yeah and this is gonna i mean look you know i don't I don't have a lot of sci-fi street cred anyway, but I didn't see that movie until probably like 10 years ago. You know, it's just, there's lots of movies, lots of classics that some, some that I still haven't seen. And uh, that was one of them, man. And when I watched it, I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is mm -hmm. mind blowingly cool. You know, you know, as, as far as I think earliest influences, it was, it was either Star Wars, because that came out in 1977, or Alien, the original Alien. Yeah. Now, Alien is more of a horror movie. Yeah. But so I think earliest influence in the sci-fi genre would be Star Wars by far. So that has been my longest standing uh, area of interest when it comes to. And when I was a kid, you couldn't get me to talk about anything but Star Wars. Yeah. So, but then a, a Blade Runner came along, and mm -hmm. the the whole Alien franchise, Predator, you know, there's there's just a ton. Even Back to the Future, man, that yeah, one hundred whole franchise is excellent. You know, going back to what you were saying, like I feel like sci-fi and horror is one of the coolest like blends you can get. Forty <laughs> K definitely has a large like horror aspect to it um but probably the movie that it that the movie that whenever people bring it up i i can't i mean i'm sure you gathered this by now but some things come up and i just can't resist you know telling them everything about it 
um, is uh, Event Horizon. Did you ever see that flick? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Well, okay, so I have mixed feelings about that. Uh But when I first saw it, I thought it was a cool movie, but it was something I did not expect it to be. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it came out when I was like 17, and um, it screwed with me so bad. Me too. Totally, oh, man. The, when you're talking about visuals, the yeah. visuals in that movie, yeah. you know, I remember scenes in the original version of that movie. Yeah. I don't I don't think that they exist anymore. I no, think they, they might don't. have taken some of that. Really? Well, the, you know this for, for a fact? Well, so okay, when they first made when they first did the cut of that movie to like test it with people, um, it had some stuff in it that was so disturbing at the time that they ended up having to cut that out in order for the studio to release it. Um, and I, I think I saw that version because <laughs> yeah, there, th- literally there was stuff in, and when I first saw that movie, there was stuff in that movie. So mind bothering. But then when I saw it again, I'm like, wait, there was stuff in the movie that wasn't in this version of it. Maybe you did. Um, all I know is the original. So there's a big story about this um, amongst the, you know, because it, it has a cult following nowadays. It was kind of panned. People didn't think it was a good movie at the time, which I don't know what makes good movies and bad movies. I just know what I like. And um, they, the footage, the the film itself was being stored now get this in an underground vault if i'm not mistaken literally in an underground vault in like transylvania or some part of romania where where it was being stored and it got um whatever like oxidized the the film was ruined and so the actual footage of some of that stuff they shot that ended up getting cut doesn't technically exist anymore they, they did say that there is like some VHS copies of it out there. And there are some videos on YouTube that purport to be the missing footage. Um, and it, it is, it's just more of that. Like I had never seen a movie before that would flash just like one or two frames of something that you, it, you couldn't tell what it was except that it, it like imprinted itself on your mind and you just knew that it was absolutely horrific (laughs) it was literally scenes that you would think exist only in hell exactly i had never yet that's that that was the thought that crossed my mind and i hope that anybody wants to see this movie doesn't consider these spoilers because we're, we're really not giving away the ending of the movie um we're just talking about some of the things in the movie that bothered us and there there are some things in that movie that are very bothersome very like i would not recommend if if you have any reservations about whether or not a movie you know if you've ever been disturbed by movies i'm not easily disturbed that movie and the exorcist are the two that i have disturbed me for long periods of time so the the other movie i would equate as disturbing as event horizon mm-hmm is um the original hellraiser i've never seen it man I've oh wow it. okay well 
I got it. It's it. I I don't know that it holds up. I have not seen that movie again. I only saw it one time. Sure. But there are some scenes in that movie when I first saw it that I was like, ah, oh, I wish I didn't see that now. Yeah. 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 Like, like I, I, it's, it's weird when you come across those things that leave that mark on you that, that affect you for a time. You know what I mean? And, and I have to wonder, like, I don't think I would change anything. Like, I don't think I would change the fact that I, I watched Event Horizon, even though it messed with me and I had trouble falling asleep for like, and even just going through my day, just because it was, it was about stuff I already like worried about and thought about all the time. Um, it, I was kind of a weird person, not weird, but I, you know, I just had my own battles I was fighting, man. And, and it really, it really spoke to them. I'll just say that. And uh, yeah, it's crazy when a, when a piece of art does that. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. And, uh, but you know, anything science fiction, I'm going to go see it. And uh, that was a science, it was billed as a science fiction movie. Really, the reason I didn't expect what it, what it turned out to be was because they didn't bill it that way in, in any kind of the promotional materials that were out there. Yeah. It was a pure science fiction space, not an opera, but. <laughs> just a space movie and man <laughs> is it more than that you know it's funny there's a there you know fan theories of stuff right um how people get way out there with stuff um people have actually linked it would take too long to explain but people have actually linked event horizon doom and 40k kind of all together um <laughs> because 40k involves mars where doom doom takes place and event horizon they rip a hole in space time to try to travel faster than light and that's analogous to what they do in um in uh 40k uh but in 40k if you go into that they call it the immaterium or the warp if you go, if you tear a hole in space time and go into the warp and you aren't protected using this special type of field, it is the dominion of absolute chaos and demonic entities and everything. And it is exactly like what you would see in what you saw in 40K or in a event horizon. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So that's, that's straight out of the pages of a 40k novel than it sounds like exactly and that's where the sci-fi horror aspect of 40k comes in is everything in the material universe is um is there's like a there's a whole nother universe beyond the veil where all of these entities exist and they feed off of the emotions and and um you know kind of like carnal aspects of humanity and other sentient races in the real the quote real world so uh, dude now we're, now we're getting into some really interesting oh and that's areas yeah that's 100 what got me into really got me into 40k and the whole 40k universe is screwed up because 
because those dark powers from across the veil appeal to certain people in humanity and basically develop devotees and followings that worship and they call them the chaos gods and dude like there's four different chaos gods and when you the adherents of the different chaos gods acquire different blessings quote blessings um and it dude it's so cool so you alluded to something when we were chatting uh and you mentioned that you had an experience or several experiences throughout your life that would have fit in well with the the halloween edition yeah you want to talk about that yeah sure so i don't you know like i'm very careful when i describe the nature of like the missions work i've done overseas but i was you know i was fortunate enough to fall in with um a group of uh, like a small church in the town i live in and they were legit they were kind people they were not like the every negative portrayal of christianity like you see just just trying to give a little back background to this um they were heavily involved in you know small ragtag type missions trips over to east africa um where they would literally you know they we tried to make it into a thing to where we could you know, go around and do speaking events and do all these things. And it never worked out, but there was always, we always planned to go over and visit our friends over there at a church there that we supported indigenous people. No, no, not paying for any Americans or Westerners to sit over there and, you know, people just trying to get tax relief or whatever would give us money that we would use to like drill wells and stuff and do things like that for the people over you mean water wells, right? Yeah. Right. Wet water wells. Yeah. Yeah. Water wells. Absolutely. But funny enough, it, it is, it was in Southern Sudan where, you know, there's a ton of oil and there's like, you know, there's other countries that are in there doing that. But, um, so, so we would go over there and just hang out with like, you know, the, the local pastor, he's a guy my age, you know, from Sudan. Um, and, you know, we're always, you know, we'd have like a, a like just like our land cruiser or something we borrow from somebody just to get around. And it's super hot. So you're always trying to um, find any kind of like lean to place with a generator where you can find like a lukewarm Coke. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's like 105 degrees out, brutal hot. So we pulled up in this little area. Um, place we'd driven by and probably been outside. I've probably been to that place like many times. Um, we go into this little like lean to type shack, you know, where they, where we go to get some Cokes and we're just like talking to the people there, um, you know, whatever. And I hear this dog. Um, I hear this dog making like, it's like yelping, like somebody's being mean to it really. Um, is what I'll say. And it, it really bothered me. So I stepped outside and was just like, what in the hell is going on here? You know, like, and everybody kind of looked at me like, like, what's he doing? Like, why is the, why is this guy like inquiring about, you know what I mean? Like, it, I, because it, I just heard an animal sounding like it was being hurt. And so it, 
it just provoked a response in me. And I looked over and there was this kid, you see a lot of people over there who have like polio type stuff. I think it's polio where like a, a limb will be like withered, you know? Um, That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of that over there. Um, it's, it's kind of weird when you, if you, you know, grown up here, you've never seen it before. And this kid just had like a two by four or something. And he wasn't like seriously harming the dog, but he was, he was being mean to this dog. And I just like, there was just something in me. I was like, what is going on here? You know? And, and, and it got real weird real quick. And it, so the kid looked at me kind of like he was a, he was just a really weird looking kid. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not even talking about, you know, the polio I'm talking about just the look in his eyes. I, it's hard to describe. And so, um, <laughs> we, uh, I went back into the little building and was like, okay, I don't know what's going on here, but whatever, you know, and we got our Cokes and the, the pastor guy, as we're walking back out to our vehicle by the road, the pastor guy's like, Hey, that, that kid, his dad is like a local, like witch doctor. There's a lot of that there where you, you'll hear this person's a witch doctor. Or this person's a witch doctor and people pay them to do this or that, you know, and cast, you know, hexes and stuff like that. And so I was like, Oh, weird, you know, just, great you know i you know i don't necessarily believe in that like that's going to be a problem or anything but we're sitting there talking getting in the vehicle and it was just like a jump scare like out of a horror movie i look up and look out the passenger or the driver's side window across from me i was sitting shotgun and look out the driver's side window and that kid has the two by four like he's, he's about five feet away from the car and he has the two by four strung across, like, like, like across his shoulders with his like withered hand kind of holding it up. And is he, he cocks his head to the side and his, his face was very like emaciated, very skull like, and this, he cocks his head to this side and this totally sinister smile forms on his face and his eyes, dude, like, I don't know how to explain it, but there was something inside there looking at me. And this giant thing, a drool falls out of his mouth. And it was like there was this thing inside this kid saying like, yeah, like, I dare you to try to try to do something, you know, to to help this kid or whatever. It was, I've never, I've never experienced anything like it before. And my friend sees it and it's like, oh my gosh, and we just drive off. And, and so you weren't the only one to see it. No, 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 no. That story gave me the freaking chills, dude. The, the hair on my arms is still standing up. So what it sounded to me like he was in the pose of Jesus on the cross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kind yeah. Of. That's yep. why that's why it gave me the chills so bad because I'm visualizing this kid yeah. in the, in in the same pose as Jesus on the cross. Never thought and of that. when you told me the 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 look on his face and you know how, how that oh that 
Yeah, that is a creepy freaking story. Yeah, it, it was the sense because like, you know, I know a lot of people aren't going to be, you know, a lot of people, some people might hear this and be like, oh my gosh, this dude's in, this dude's in one of those. Some people might hear it and be like, what are you doing? Like when we would go to different places, I mean, we're Christians, dude. Like when we would go to different places, like people want you to pray with them. You know what I mean? And so we would. And there was something in me that was like, I need to like, I need to pray for this poor kid. You know what I mean? Like, and, and of course we would also extend, we didn't just, it wasn't just the thoughts and prayers thing. There was actual help being extended to these people, but, but I was just like, I just want to get to know what's going on with this kid. And that was like, that was kind of where I was coming from. And then to see him pop up and, and, and I could just tell that there was something behind the veil. It's like, I dare you. I dare you to try to get in, to try to do something about this. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I've never felt, and, and dude, like, I mean, full disclosure, dude, I didn't do anything. I ran, man. You know what? Like got out of there, dude. Um, and yeah, I never even thought about that until you just put that, but that freaks me out. Just thinking about that. Um, yeah. That, that was the first thing that popped into my head when you described how he was standing there with his head cocked to the side and that, that, that two by four across his shoulders with his arms kind of draped over it. Now get this. So two years later, I always was think about that kid. Cause we drive up and down this road all the time. Two years later, we are, we are arriving in the area late at night, completely pitch dark out. So as we're driving down the road, the only thing that you see is whatever flies in the view of the headlights. And that kid, we're driving along the road and that kid is walking the opposite direction down, down the road. And it was 100% that kid. I mean, there's no way in hell it was anyone else. And when I saw it, it, I can't, it was like a spike of ice through my chest when I saw that kid again, like, (laughs) it was like, it was like another jump scare from a horror movie, man. And, um, even my friend saw it too. The same guy, I went with the same guy each time and, and he was, and I dude, I was like, dude, it's that kid, you know? And, and he was like, it was that kid, you know, but we were like, keep driving, (laughs) just keep driving. You know, but did, did the kid see you or did he notice you? No, he would he wouldn't have seen us because it was just you know we were kind of going down the road. Decent. It was night, yeah. He yeah. couldn't yeah. pass the headlights or in through the windows, yeah. Yeah, but in general, I feel like you know over there, I feel like a lot more people believe in the possibility of that realm existing behind the veil, and I just think in general, like the more minds that are contributing that kind of energy, the more like out and open those types of things are going to be, man. Yeah. That's an interesting experience that you had, man. What do you think it was? I know, I know you said that it was something from another dimension or another reality, but you think it was a demon? Yeah, I think so, man. I really I do like, I don't, you know, and again, am I thinking of some like, like horned, like, you know, cheesy horned like thing? No, 
it's it's like they're they're entities we can't even comprehend you know what i mean you uh you would probably really appreciate the conversation i had with sandy linnae right on she is the uh episode 10 in the um in the halloween edition okay uh fascinating lady she's just a a really sweet lady but she's got an ability that few people have and she's developed it to a level that enables her to see things and experience things that most most humans would not even believe was true but i think because of your experiences i think you'll be able to really relate to what she's talking about i'd believe it man check it out Check it out. I think you'll dig it, man. I will, dude. I will. So is there anything else that uh, you'd like to talk about before we, we check out? Man, I do. Um, man, I got uh, I got all the 40K out of my system. <laughs> yeah, we've been we've been on it for two hours. I apologize if I like ramble and go down rabbit holes and stuff. I- Let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> you are an interesting person i'll listen to you talk for hours on end it doesn't matter no apologies needed man i appreciate you having me on man i'm sorry it took so long and the gaffes happened but i'm out of school so uh, <laughs> i survived that and no nah, man it's just been great being on and chatting with you dude all right randy thanks for joining me for this sci-fi edition of dead hand radio i appreciate you being on here man Thanks for having me, buddy.